0: Greetings from California, from the Williams family, to all of you there in Texas. I sure do miss all of you, and I wish I had had my family here so you could kind of see everyone's face and how much they've grown up. It's hard to believe that our family has been gone from CBC in December. It will be three years, and uh, I just shake my head at that. I can't believe that we've been away for that long. We've missed you all very, very much, and um, we pray for you often, and uh, it's a delight for us To be able to connect over the phone, via text, messages, emails with many of you and find out what's going on at CBC and find out what's going on in your lives. Our time in Dallas and at CBC was tremendously beneficial for our personal growth and preparation for the work that the Lord has moved us into now. The ongoing shepherding and prayers and support have also been encouraging to us. And I thank the Lord for your partnership in the gospel. I never dreamed that I would move my family out here to California. And I even said a time or two, you can ask Cindy, that I would probably never leave Texas. And uh, we had some laughs about that, but here I am. And I never dreamed that I would be working as a missionary inside the United States. We had prayed about France, we had prayed about the Netherlands, we had prayed about Mexico, um, and probably some other places, but we never thought the Lord would choose to use us as missionaries here, but here we are, and I never dreamed that I'd be part of a new church plant. It just seemed like a monumental task, and and yet here we are, and the Lord is using us in the planting of a, of a new church here in Freedom in Watsonville, and I'm so thankful that that even though I, I can't um, I couldn't see the Lord using me in this way and these ways that he has. And it reminds me of the verse in Proverbs, uh, kind of my a theme verse for this year. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. The Lord has done and is doing some pretty thrilling things here in, in, in our team and through our team. And I hope to share a, a few of those things with you maybe at the end of this message. But first, I really ho- had hoped to give you a, a challenge from God's Word. I'm far enough removed now from CBC that I don't have an intimate knowledge about the deep needs of the body of CBC right now. I, I sh- can get an idea from reading the bulletin and seeing prayer requests and hearing from people from time to time, but really being there and knowing what's going on, is it's, it's harder when you're so far away. So my prayer is that the Lord would use his word today to challenge and maybe convict and to encourage your hearts, and that you would respond accordingly, whatever that may be. This past Sunday, I returned uh, home after several days of being on the road. Uh, We were away in Phoenix for about a week, and then we traveled to five other cities along the way. We went to Phoenix, Las Vegas, Salt Lake City, Helena, Montana, Boise, Idaho, and Reno, Nevada. And in each of those places, we would stop uh, to pray for the town, to pray for the people, and to share Christ when we had opportunities. And our goal was to really seek, what is God's heart for these cities? Why has he put these cities on our heart? What would he have us to do in these cities? And one thing that really stood out to me is that each city had its own set of unique challenges. And the churches in those cities needed encouragement, each one of them needed encouragement. It got me thinking uh, as I was preparing this message about the seven churches in Revelation and how the Lord saw their strengths and he saw their weaknesses and he knew just how to encourage them to continue on. And so I want to look today at Revelation chapters two and three and we're not going to read all of it. I'm just going to read a few verses from each of those sections of the churches and then talk about the churches and hopefully we'll find in there some encouragement from the Lord today let's pray father would you please be with us today father would you bless the reading of your word today and challenge our hearts to respond appropriately for your glory. Amen. So Revelation chapter 2, let's read verses 2 and 3. This is the church of Ephesus. For I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. When I read that description, those verses about the church of Ephesus, I see a church that is admirable for so much. They were, I would describe it as a get the, do, the job done right church. They were a get the do, job done right group. And, and they were not easily blown around by the winds, but they were anchored in the word of God. In fact, when I think of CBC, I think of a church that is anchored in the Word of God. And I love that. That is one of the reasons why when I came to CBC in 1998 that I stayed at CBC, because that was very clear to me. And, and we would praise God for those attributes, wouldn't we? All of those. We would praise God that this was a, a hard-working, well-grounded, Church and say Amen to these things, and we would never criticize them for for any of that, right? The the Church of Ephesus, they were they were doing well in that way, but there's a but in the story, and it says, but, verse four, I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first, and um, that's kind of a sad thing, isn't it? That a church that does so well in so many ways is lacking in a love for the Lord, lacking in a, in a love for Christ. And um, I wanted to read a quote from William McDonald that I thought really put it in in terms that I could really picture well. In his commentary, he says this, The Christians could look back to better days when their, when their bridal love for Christ flowed warm, full, and free. Let me read that again. The Christians could look back to better days when their bridal love for Christ flowed warm, full, and free. I thought that was a pretty cool picture of uh, like a newlywed love, uh, a love that bubbles over with excitement. When you think about this person that you love, you're just thrilled about it. And, and I think that's what was lacking in this church of Ephesus. Somehow they had lost a vital piece of the puzzle, a critical piece of the puzzle. And it had be, become a church that was content to go through the motions without their first love. I suspect that when an outsider would walk into this church, When they would walk into the church of Ephesus, they could probably see pretty quickly a lack of love. It's pretty hard to fake it when the marriage is in trouble, isn't it? And that's a a great image, is a a picture of a marriage that's struggling. So the Lord's advice to them was quite simple. We see in verse 5, Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. Three things that I took from that. The first one is remember, the second one is repent, the third one is do. So what are they remembering? They're remembering the joy that they once knew, the joy as believers that they once knew, and the love that they once felt. Um, And those things were available in abundance. And they're thinking back to those days and how good it was. Maybe you can do that when you think about when you first came to Christ and, and how joyful those times were. Or maybe a particular time when you were walking very closely with Christ and how joyful that was. And, and everyone around you is excited and you're, and you're walking forward together um, and you can't contain that love and that joy that you feel for the Lord. So they, he encourages them to remember those times. He actually says then that they need to repent, right, to express that regret or remorse for their waning love. And then to do something about it. What do they do? Recommitment. Recommitment to Christ. um, Their first love. Going, returning to that uh, only one who can satisfy them. So I have a few questions. First one Do you feel like the church in Ephesus? Do you ever feel like the church in Ephesus? Do you labor without love? Labor without your first love? I was there in that place. For a miserable season of my life, my attentions were focused more on the work than on the one who I was working for. And that's a a miserable place to be. And by God's grace, on May 3rd, 2017, he recaptured my attention. And I fell in love afresh with the Lord Jesus Christ. I returned to him. I remembered I repented. I started to uh, recommit myself to him in every area of my life, and he began at that time a restoration project in my heart, and that impacted my marriage. It impacted my family and my kids and the way I acted as a dad, and it impacted my ministry. It impacted my friends, and it impacted everything. It was time for a uh, a reboot in my life and that's exactly what the lord gave me. I'm so thankful for that day, May 3rd, 2017. Is it is it time is it time for a reboot reboot? Is it time for a reboot in your life today? This is the day. My encouragement if if you're feeling that way, like the Church of Ephesus, is to get on your knees and to cry out to the Lord, to surrender to your life to Him anew. Ask Him to strip away anything that has hindered your love relationship with Him. There was a lot of stripping away that happened in my life. And uh, that continues. The Lord still has to remind me, don't, don't uh, be- become consumed with these things that don't matter. Okay, let's move along to the next church, the church of Smyrna. He says, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And I'll stop right there. He, he describes a church here that has struggled tremendously because of persecution. And they're persecuted because of their faith. And I assume that he mentions their poverty because When you're persecuted when you're imprisoned uh, you it's hard to hold on to your things and so it's hard to get ahead and and they're struggling they're poor and it seems that they were a very clear target of the devil here's a church that seems to love the lord tremendously and yet they're just getting hammered and i love that in the spite of of their tribulation and in spite of their poverty the lord calls them rich. They are rich in spiritual things, spiritually rich. Isn't that awesome that everything can be stripped away and yet they're spiritually rich? Quite often I think that we try to avoid suffering at all costs and there might be a, a temptation in our job or our school to fly under the radar in order to avoid becoming a target of ridicule or suffering because of our faith in Christ and the Lord reminds the Saints that there is a crown of life awaiting them they may have lost everything but they have awaiting them great riches and are even now spiritually rich the question I thought of is what if we esteemed spiritual riches over earthly riches would that make our lives look any differently than they do today Can you ask the Lord to grant you spiritual riches no matter what it may cost you in earthly riches? Would you be willing to do that? That'd be tough to do, wouldn't it? But the folks, the believers in Smyrna were committed to the Lord in spite of tremendous, tremendous suffering. All right, keep going. The Church of Pergamum. The Church of Pergamum Uh, It says, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, yet you hold fast to my name, and you did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. It's interesting that he talks about their location, and he says, I know where you dwell. This city, Pergamum, was a pretty wicked place, In fact, it was called the place of Satan's throne. And um, can you imagine having a church in a city like that where uh, it's so wicked and and all around you, you're surrounded by, by wickedness. Even one of the brothers had been killed for his faith and they stayed and they remained. That's pretty amazing. Their loyalty to Christ remained even though... Um, the circumstances were very unpleasant. The problem is, with this church, is that they permitted men with false doctrine to remain in the church, and their passivity in dealing with these men would soon lead to their downfall if they didn't change their ways. The idea today that seems like that I hear often in our society is uh you see bumper stickers like this is that we should just tolerate one another's beliefs. Why can't we all just get along and accept everybody no matter what they do, no matter what they say, no matter what And brothers and sisters, how foolish is that we can read uh, many places in the scriptures of that uh, how foolish that is first corinthians 513. Talks about expelling the immoral brother from among you. That doesn't sound like toleration, right? It doesn't sound like getting along. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. So we see that uh, toleration could actually lead to death. It could lead to people being hurt in a tremendous way. And these believers... They had a responsibility. They had a need to repent of their tolerance. They had a need to deal with the false teachers immediately. So my question came up here as I read that. Really a question for myself and a question for you guys to consider. Are we on the lookout for wolves? I, I, uh, suggest, I'd like to make a suggestion that maybe you... Today, that you would uh, reach out and and pray for the elders at CBC. That you would pray for them because they have a difficult job tending to the sheep. It's not an easy task to be an elder. They're always on the lookout for those who might come in with false teaching to devour the sheep. To the elders, uh, just an encouragement for you guys to continue to be diligent and don't let down your guard and pray for wisdom in your shepherding the next church is the church at Thyatira it says in verse 19 I know your works your love and faith and service and patient endurance and that your latter works exceed the first it in on the at the beginning this to me uh was, sounded like a pretty cool place to go, talked about their love, their faith, their service, their patient endurance, their growth and works. It sounds like an up and coming church that's doing the right things and they're drawing the crowds. And for me, it would be the place to go. Those are all, once again, very critical, admirable qualities of a church. But they too were out of balance. And let's see, how were they out of balance? Verse 20 says, But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. So what was their problem? They tolerated impure doctrine or false teachings. And the result was twofold, immorality, entering the church, and idolatry, entering the church, both being practiced in the church. Again, a problem of tolerating um, something that should never be in the church. There's a man here in our city that we often see as we drive around, and usually when I go to the post office, we'll see this guy, and he holds up a sign and it says, Jesus loves you. And I remember the first few times I thought, man, that's, that's great. Here's a guy out in the street proclaiming Christ. Well, we soon learned that this man was part of a church here in California. And I don't know the name of them, but they preach Christ and they include gross immorality as part of their church. And that's okay, according to them. They have blended parts of the teachings of the Bible, and total immorality and wickedness, and they're teaching and preaching this, and they have followers, and it's incredible to me. May it never be among us. May it never be true. We cannot blend Christ and pagan practices and think we're doing God's will. I'm sure that's pretty obvious, but man, he points it out here, and I'm sure... It's not foreign in some churches today. Ephesians 5.3 says, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. The question that comes to my mind is, has, has immorality crept into our homes? Has it crept into your home? There are many ways that this can happen on the television. There's things on there that are detestable to the Lord. There are shows that, we, that I hear about and people talk about all the time. And I think, how can you allow that into your home? These things will only destroy and corrupt you and your service for the Lord. And the answer that he gives them here is similar to the other churches that they need to repent. They need to turn from those things. Um, The Lord is a gracious and forgiving master and wants to restore you, that you might re-enter the battle for him. If this has been a struggle, if this has crept into your home, if this has crept into the church in any way, man, the Lord just wants it gone. And he wants us to re-enter the fight. Continuing on, the next church is the church in Sardis. He says, And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. William MacDonald says, about the church in Sardis, it did not overflow with spiritual life. It did not sparkle with the supernatural. I thought that was kind of interesting. Again, this church is one that is basically a sleeping church. On the one side is God's plan and God's work that's moving forward strategically. And then over here is this church that is snoozing while the parade passes by. Yet even here in this church, there were some who hadn't dozed off. There's always a remnant of faithful few and God wants them to continue on and be faithful. Will you pray with me that the Lord would use the faithful few in sleepy churches today? to wake up the rest, and to strengthen that which remains. Maybe you personally need a wake-up call. Our days are numbered. I've thought about that a lot lately. I don't know how many more days that I have. You don't know how many more days you have. Um, are, Are you ready to go? Have you done all that you can do to make your days count for the Lord, to make your days count for Christ? Okay, the next church is the Church of Philadelphia. Verse 8 of chapter 3 says, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. And I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. This church uh, was faithful. They were zealous. They persevered. They held fast to Christ. And they kept his word. It's one of it's the only one I believe that he has nothing negative to say about them. It was a faithful bunch. Verse eleven says hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. They were doing well, but he still gives them this reminder. Hold fast what you have, so that no, no one may seize your crown. Are you holding fast? Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Will you press on together in these wicked days and stay faithful to the Lord? That's a prayer that I have for myself I share with my brothers uh, on our travels, and I said, "Lord, I said, guys, pray, pray for me that I would press on. I don't want to be the guy that goes off the cliff and nobody hears from me ever again because of foolish choices. Brothers and sisters, let's press on together. Maybe today would be a good day to reaffirm that commitment uh, to hold fast. The final church is the church in Laodicea, and it says, I know your works, you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot, so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. How would you like to be known as the church that the Lord said, I will spit you out of my mouth? Um... That'd be pretty embarrassing, wouldn't it these this group they were proud of their wealth. they were self-confident, self-sufficient because of their wealth. and I think so much so that they didn't even realize the wretched state that they were in. and they didn't they weren't even they weren't even ashamed of their wickedness. they were essentially no different than the world around them. One of our buddies that recently moved to Watsonville got a job at a local car company. And he's been going around and sharing Christ with everyone in his group. And a lot of the folks would say, yeah, I believe that. But that's the extent of it. They they don't want to worship Christ. They don't want to follow Christ. They don't want to trust in Christ. It's just very lackadaisical. It's so strange that there's no argument. There's, there's, they don't put up a fight. They, don't, they aren't offended. They just say, oh, that's great. I'm not interested, really. You can keep talking about it, but it's not going to change how I live. They, they're in love with their lives, and they don't want to change. It's so sad. Um, they remind me of this church. They're just very content where they are, they don't want to be too zealous and, uh, but they're not on the opposite extreme either and the Lord wants them to repent. They need Jesus to come and totally clean house, to reprove and to discipline. My prayer is that the Lord will show us the ways that we are off course. He will show us that personally. But he will also show us that corporately so that we can get back on track. I challenge you to consider your strengths and weaknesses and to continue in the areas of strength and to evaluate the areas where you may have weakness. And I want you to do that um, individually today, personally today where If I read this list, do I fall into any of these categories of churches? Or maybe as a church, do we see any of this reflected at CBC? Do do we see any of this reflected at FBF? These are serious things that we have to consider. I want the very best heavenly evaluation for the body. Of CBC. I want the letter written about CBC to be glowing in, in every way, in all of these attributes that are positive, and the report to be beautiful. May you press on toward the goal. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these examples in your word. We pray that you would give us humility and discipline to evaluate ourselves and adjust accordingly for the glory of your great name. Amen and amen. Well, before I go, I wanted to give you guys a a little bit of an update on our family and kind of what we're doing and where we're at. And for those of you who don't know my family at all, uh, we live in Freedom in Watsonville, California, which is just south of San Francisco, about an hour and a half. Some of you have been out here to visit, and some of you I'd love to have out here to visit one of these days, but we've been out here for about two and a half years, and we live in a farming community. This is actually known as the strawberry capital of the world, and we have a heart to minister among the Hispanic community here, the Hispanic farm workers who uh, pick strawberries day in and day out, or lettuce, or apples. Uh, there's a lot of different produce that our um, this part of the country produces, and the Lord has given us some some neat opportunities, specifically with a group from Oaxaca, Mexico, called the Mix Zapotec people, and they are an indigenous Indian people from Oaxaca, Mexico, and they have come here to work, and are considered by the Joshua Project to be a superficially reached people group. And uh, I've shared with you before about how the Lord has begun introducing us to some of those families. And it's just been so exciting to see the way that he has guided us and led us into these homes. And one of the names that you may be familiar with is Anastasio and Dominga. And those, that was a family that my wife and I and my kids would go and spend time in their home, and they would help us learn our Spanish. And we kind of, that grew into having meals together. And we were so encouraged in that time, and the friendship was kind of growing. And then when COVID hit, all that has kind of been on pause, and that's been frustrating. But the Lord was still at work, and let me share with you how. Recently, Dominga's family uh, came over to Micah and Christina's house for uh, a meal. And at the end of that time, they gave them a little Spanish Bible study that Christina's father had put together. And Dominga sat down immediately and started reading through that. And we were so excited to hear about this. She read through it, closed the book, and said... I don't understand what I'm reading. Would you help me to understand? I want to learn to talk with God. And we were just thrilled. Well, they came back another time and that conversation continued and they were able to share the gospel a little bit more, a little more steps along the way. And they seem to be understanding that there's something different about the message that we're sharing with them. And they're attracted to that message. Well, about a month ago, Dominga texted me and told me that um, her family had really been struggling and that they'd had some difficult things happen in some of their relationships with people locally, and they were feeling the strain from that. And she also shared that her mother, who was still in Oaxaca, Mexico, was uh, seriously ill. And she asked if, if we would pray for her mom. And of course we did. And then... Um, a few, a few weeks later, we, we got a text, and Dominga said that her mother, her mother had died. And she was devastated by that news. And I, I don't know that she had I – think, I think she hadn't seen her mom in over 10 years uh, since she's been here in the States. And so she was um, – she expressed that she, she didn't feel like she could go on. The, the weight of losing her mother was, was too much. And we found this out uh, while I was away on, on some travel. And so um, Micah's wife, Christina, and my wife, Cindy, put together a meal and took it to them. They actually took it to Dominga's sister's home. Her name is Carmela. And they took it to Carmela's house, and the, and the ladies came out, and they, they gave them hugs. The kids came out. They gave the kids hugs, and they gave them the food. And, and they sat down, and they visited with them. They saw in the home where they had set up a shrine, a memorial to her mother. And um, it was a very sad time, many tears. And Dominga asked Christina, will my mom be in heaven? And uh, it was the perfect opportunity for Christina to sit and explain the gospel once again to not only Dominga, but also to her sister Carmela. And also to a number of children who were sitting around listening to the conversation. And we, we praise the Lord for this open door. Yes, we know that these are hard times for our, our friends. But um, we're confident that the Lord is doing a work here to draw this these families to himself. And um, so would you pray for our friends along with us? I can't wait until the day when I get to do a report and tell of their salvation. We also uh, recently got to rejoice in, because uh, a new believer named Pat, um, who we had met in the park over a year ago, uh, just started up a friendship. We would First of all, we'd say hi. We'd, we'd pet her little dog, and um, that kind of grew and grew, and Micah and Christina had some more opportunities with her because she wasn't able to take care of her dog, and so she gave her dog to to Mike and Christina's family, and they've cared for that dog. And they've been able to take Pat to doctor's appointments and, and other appointments as needed. And Pat is a lady who's uh, about, she, she's probably in her, in her 80s, and um, she had a, a pretty difficult life. And um, what's so cool is that Christina met with her and began having a Bible study, and uh, Pat is very cautious And initially would uh, not say much, or she would say, "I don't know about that. I have to think about it." And the next time they would get together, she had thought about it, and she would share what she thought about it, and and it was making sense, and the pieces were coming together, and within just a few short weeks, Pat had trusted Christ, and then um, about a month ago, Pat came to uh, our church, which is a right now just meeting in the backyard. And she showed up and had her first breaking of bread with us, and it was a very joyous time. And it was a wonderful thing to see uh, this lady in her 80s uh, come to know the Savior. She is our oldest, youngest believer. So um, a little bit about this trip that we took to these cities. I'll just share a little bit on that as well. On that that trip, we had made it a point that in every city we would pray for the city and we would pray for the people in the city and we would share the gospel when we had the opportunity. And so we took a lot of Bibles and a lot of tracts with us. We didn't know where to go or what what we would encounter. Um, One of the things that really stood out to us is that in every city, the Lord connected us with believers and gave us some contacts for future ministry. And then um, we had many opportunities, though, to talk with people and give out tracks. Um, that was a little bit different experience in, in every city. And we would split up into groups of two and kind of target different areas. And um, while we were out in uh, Boise, Idaho, I had, we had rented a few electric scooters and were scooting around the town. And I was crossing the street. I had the green light, and a man was making a a turn, a oncoming. He was making a turn in front of me, not paying attention. And um, I kind of had a moment of seeing my life flash before my hands, before my my before my eyes, before he slammed on his brakes. And I went around the corner, and there was a man sitting there. And I said, "Whoa!" I said, "That was so close." He was. His eyes were huge. He was like, "Yeah." And I kind of rode on a little bit further, and as I was gathering myself, the guys behind me stopped, and they talked to this man. His name was Hunter, and they um, started to talk to him about the Lord. And before I knew it, one of them texted me and said, "Hey, I need a Bible." So we went to the car, got him a Bible, and and he met me there, got the Bible, and came and delivered that Bible to Hunter, and continued that conversation. A second contact, and then he left. We left again, and we talked with some other people, and then. He said, I need to go back and talk to him a third time. So we said, go for it. And he went back over there and we were kind of getting our things together and jumped in the car. And as we drove around the corner, we saw uh, our friend Caleb and this man Hunter um, sitting against the side of a building praying. And this man had trusted Christ. And uh, we were so excited to see how God um, brought that whole thing about and uh, has given us a contact there with a new believer who uh, we hope to follow up with in, in very soon. Another story is of when we were in Las Vegas and I think Micah was preaching and there was a man in the crowd with a mohawk and he was listening very intently to everything Micah said and he was shaking his head. And Caleb noticed that and went over and began talking with him and it turns out that this man was a youth pastor a former youth pastor who had been hurt and had left the church, and he was in Vegas with his wife just to have a good time. This man was running away from God, and he found God in the most unlikely place, and the Lord used it. Many divine appointments encouraged us along the way, and our heart for the gospel grew more and more, um, even in the face of a lot of rejection. And we're praying in these cities, asking the Lord to raise up teams to go out into each of these cities to seek and save the lost. To do a a new work in these places. To encourage the believers in these places. And he's already moving and answering those prayers in many hearts. There are some who are planning to come sooner, and there are some who are weighing that decision very carefully. And so please pray with us for the Lord's preparation in lives, that uh, he would prepare each one that he intends to send into these places and uh, that he would prepare them for the work that lies ahead. Personally, uh, my family is praying and considering a move from our apartment into a larger home in the community. And so we've been on the search for that. Um, but we would really appreciate your prayers. Uh, the search uh, hasn't been easy and so far hasn't yielded anything. Um, some of the homes that we have found are uh, gone within days. And so it's, it's very competitive. And um, we're just trusting the Lord to provide the right place at the right time uh, where we could um, maybe minister a little more effectively inside our community. Pray for our kids also. This year we decided to homeschool them and um, it's been a huge adjustment for my wife Cindy and she's doing a great job but it can be a really stressful thing and we just decided that it would be better to do that than for them to have the online instruction that they were getting last year. Um, Some days are harder than others and uh, we, we do covet your prayers on that but the kids seem to really be thriving with it. And locally, as as people begin to kind of emerge from their COVID caves, um, please pray for wisdom as we reconnect with the ones that we know. And then we seek to make new contacts also in this community. It's been kind of awkward and, and, and difficult to do because everyone's keeping their distance right now. And, and we understand that, but we just ask that uh, you would pray that we would have wisdom um, as we move forward. I'm still praying about having a Bible study with a young man named Rudy and, and his brother Jonas. Rudy's about 13, and his brother Jonas is nine. And we've come to know them pretty good um, and built some trust into that family. And so, so would you pray for those two boys? Um, they also have an older brother Juan uh, who has not been willing to really talk much but we do would love to see the lord reach in and and change rudy's life and change jonas's life Um, their mother's name is ernestina another gal that we've been in her home to do spanish and pray for her too that um, the lord would be at work in her life so the lord is moving here and and we're confident that he is uh, working through your prayers Um, those of you that have shared that you are praying for us daily it, it means so much to us, and um, there are some days when we desperately need those prayers. It feels like more than other days, but um, please keep praying for uh, the work that we would hold fast and that we would keep our eyes on Jesus in the midst of storms. Um, we don't want to become discouraged and throw up our hands and, and retreat. Um, we do trust that he is leading and guiding, and we were going to follow him. God bless and much love. From my family to yours, have a great day.